We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 142. It's Memorial Day weekend. What's up, Scott? What's up, man? Happy Memorial Day weekend. Hope everybody has a good and safe Memorial Day. I have been doing lots of yard work, lots of yard work, as I do every weekend because it runs my life. And I got some time at the pool, had some beers. So it's been a good one. Another day off tomorrow. Beautiful. I love it. We're kind of laughing because that was take two. Scott didn't go well on the first take. <laughs> the first, the first Memorial Day recap was uh, was not so good. <laughs> That'll be in the lost footage in some some episode down the road, maybe. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been a good weekend. Yankees uh, two and one against Oakland. That team, that that Oakland team annoys me because first of all, I don't know I don't know any of the names on that team. And I used to know Oakland like the back of my hand. You remember that rivalry in the early 2000s? That was a great rivalry between the A's and the Yankees. Now, it's just a bunch of no-names. Billy Bean's got a bunch of scrubs running out there. Somehow they're tops in the league in home runs. And they've got guys going out there, like these guys, guy named Cotton, guy named Manea, whatever it is. It's like the second coming of Barry Zito and Mark Mulder. What the hell is going on with this team? Yeah, I mean, at this point... We're looking at Billy Bean. I mean, he's he's got this uh, this reputation of being able to string together good ball clubs and not spending a lot of money, but he's been fle- no, no no spending no money spending okay spending no money. He's been fleeced by the uh, he's been fleeced by the Blue Jays in the past few years. He's put out horrible teams. How does he still have a job? 
I mean, I, I understand he has he's, a name, but he's got a job forever in Oakland. I think. Well, I don't know why because they're not putting out. They, first of all, Oakland needs to have a good team, or that whole area. They have no more teams. Everybody's leaving. You bring up a good point. Is Billy Bean slightly overrated? A hundred percent, he's overrated. There's just because he had some new metrics. I think the Saber guys love him. He's like a, an icon, and he's just you know they they bow down to Billy Bean in the Saber metric world. But other than that, when you put actual winning percentages down and look to see what his teams have done, they suck. I don't really know what they've done. They trade away all I... their good players. They don't get much in return, and they're not very good always. I think I've said this theory on the podcast in the past. But I believe Billy Bean rather be mediocre than actually win the World Series because then he has he's always chasing that red dragon, which is the World Series. And he's always the underdog and he loves being the underdog. He loves being the team that is coming out of nowhere and might win it all, but is not going to win it all. Has no nothing for payroll. He loves that sort of zone that he's in. I don't think he really uh wants to ever reach the pinnacle because he's in this he's got he's in a win-win situation with the Oakland A's if he underachieves well they don't spend any money and if he overachieves then all the praise goes to Billy Bean yeah but but he's not overachieved in a very long time the problem with with this whole concept is you have to be good once in a while if you're not good you know once in a while then you're just a bad GM who puts (laughs) no-name players together and gives you zero product and gives your fans nothing to look at that's what I'm looking at right now Moneyball was his ticket to the Hall of Fame. Once he was the first face of Moneyball, he's riding that that wave for the rest of rest of his career. To the Hall of Fame? Yeah, I bet I bet Billy Bean's going to go into the Hall of Fame as a GM. I, I give that a three percent chance. I think that when it comes time, people will look at the fact that he changed the way baseball was analyzed. Except for the fact that okay, he might be one of those people that get in on like the the old school baseball people who just put their like little secret ballot together and they and they give a nod to the you know the people that the, that's in their club he may get in that way but he's not getting in the writers are not putting him in the hall of fame i'm sorry it's not happening well that movie he doesn't Moneyball. deserve it i don't give a shit what, what he doesn't deserve it he sucks I, like i don't that, care it's it's such it is this is actually pissing me off this is it's such a uh, a fad of of the whole the whole moneyball era and like, yeah, I understand that, that people have taken some of that and they've used it in a, in a good way and they've won with it, but he hasn't won anything. Why, why are we looking at him like he's anything? So, that movie, oh that yeah. movie Moneyball pissed me off. I, I do like it as a baseball movie because I think it's also just a good movie, like just good for a movie. But the fact that that, that film never once mentioned the words Barry Zito, Mark Mulder, or... Uh, Hudson what the hell is Hudson's first Tim, Tim Hudson. Hudson that's why that team went to the playoffs not because freaking Scott Scott Hatterberg or any of those other players like let's be honest yeah pitching wins championships he got lucky <laughs> with some pitchers good for they him also had uh uh Miguel Tejada and they didn't mention him in the in the movie any either so wow this 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 uh it's got on to a Billy Bean hate train really quickly. Yeah, well, you mentioned Hall of Fame. Like, if I, I feel like if I'm an Oakland A's fan and I hear, am that, I way off base on that? I it, think you're it, way it, off base. I think you're not even close. Tweet at Yankees Podcast if you think I'm way off base on Billy Bean as a Hall of Fame GM. I, I don't think that's far. That's too far off base. I just don't understand what's I mean, maybe gotten him he needs there. To win, I mean, I guess it sounds stupid because he's never won a championship, but I don't know. I feel like people put him on a pedestal. They do for no reason. 
for no reason. If I'm an Oakland A's fan and I hear someone making the comment about Billy Bean in the Hall of Fame, I'm vomiting all over myself. I'm angry. <laughs> and, I, and like I can't look at this guy. I'm so sick of Moneyball. Do you know an Oakland A's fan? No, I don't. I don't know one. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you guys want 25% off in the Bronx Pinstripes fan shop, use code Grand Slam this week. And that is because the Judgment Slam hit a Grand Slam on Sunday. We were recording after the game on Sunday. Aaron Judge's Grand Slam was the major difference in today's game. So use code Grand Slam for 25% off. A lot of great gear. A lot of great hats. I know my dad wants one of the BP hats for Father's Day, so I got to get on that. Uh, a lot of great stuff in the fan shop. Go check it out. Also, June 10th. Today, as you're listening to this, Monday is the last day to buy tickets. If you want your T-shirt at the event, you're going to get your T-shirt at Billy's at the event. Go buy your ticket. We've got a handful left at this point, right? Yeah, we're over 300 still. It's uh, it's definitely slowed down a bit, but we're over 300. And uh, tomorrow's or today, Monday, is the last day to get tickets. So in general, yeah, it's the last day to get tickets unless I get some kind of an extension from the Yankees. Uh, that this was our this was our target date to uh, to cut it off so that we can see where we are and make sure we can get everybody their tickets in time. So today is the last day to get tickets. So if you are going to the event and you still have friends that are want to go, make sure they sign up today. If you're on the fence, sign up today. Today's the day. That's it. Um, unless something changes, Monday is the very last day to get your ticket. So, and yes, we are close to selling it out. So, whichever comes first, the end of Monday or the selling the tickets out. Uh, but, but either way, it'll be done on Monday. And yes, we I got an extension for the T-shirts, which is awesome news. So I will be able to get all of the T-shirts from uh, from everybody who purchases by Monday to Billy's. So we will be handing them out beforehand. So yeah, looking forward to it. It's going to be freaking awesome. If you haven't signed up, you suck and you're going to miss out. <laughs> also, take a second to rate and review the podcast in iTunes. Uh, we have not read the reviews on the podcast in a long time. We were doing that for a while. So I want to bring that back. If you review the podcast and it's funny, if you make either Scott and I laugh, we're going to read it on the on next week's show. So take a second. Give us a five-star review if you enjoy the show. If you don't enjoy the show... Well, then don't go rate it and review it. All right. Yankees are in first place. They've extended their lead to three games this week. And I think that's actually saying something because I don't know about you. The Yankees have not been playing their best baseball. No, they have not been able to hit at all. Today was the first day that Sunday was the first day that they're actually, you know, got some offense going on Saturday. They had zero offense. And on Sunday, judge comes back comes to the party, tries to hit a ball into the judges' chambers, got pretty damn close, and, you know, wakes everybody up. So it was uh, it was good to break out. But, yeah, before this this whole series, they haven't been hitting the ball at all. So I think that it's it's been a team slump, and well, I think we were afraid of that, everybody slumping at the same time. The only guy that's really, you know, during this, during this, uh, this time when they have been slumping, the only guy that's really been halfway decent has been Didi, and just yeah. because he's been on fire since he's been back. So... Um, I'm glad Judge has gotten back. I shouldn't say that because Judge hasn't been hitting home, hitting home runs, and people think he's in a slump because of that. But actually, if you look at what he's doing, his batting average keeps going up because the dude is a complete hitter now. He's going opposite <laughs> field. He's getting base hits going the opposite way. He's taking what he gets. He's taking his walks. I mean, it's unbelievable. Every week, I get more and more impressed and just floored by the way this guy has made these adjustments in such a fast way. It's really, really fr- fun to watch and just. One of the most impressive things I've seen in baseball in a long time. What do you think about this? I think sometimes Aaron Judge is a little bit too patient at the plate. I want him to be more aggressive because of that power. Sometimes I think he takes a pitch, uh, maybe 2-0 and 
or two and one where I'm like, he could have hit that ball 400 feet. I'd rather see him attack the ball sometimes. Well, I think he has been doing that. If you looked from, from last year, uh, what he was doing was waiting and waiting for that pitch, and he wasn't attacking early. I've heard him talk about it, how he's trying to attack early this year. And if you look at, he had, um, it was the at-bat before he hit the grand slam. He smoked the ball, and I believe it was the first pitch of the at-bat. So, I mean, he's looking at it. If he finds what he wants early in the count, it looks like he's, he's going after it. So, I, look, the dude's got a great approach, approach at the plate. Whatever it is, it's working. So, I really don't want him to change a damn thing. I think he's got, he's got everything working right now. And just uh, just keep it rolling, man, because he is yeah. on fire. I can't really complain about a guy hitting three twenty with a four twenty five OBP, leading the league in homers and yeah. leading the team in RBIs. So now, he was making comments tonight uh, after the game to Susan Waldman about how today his approach was to let the ball travel further back on his hip and take advantage of right field. He's like, "We got a short porch. I got to take advantage of it." Well, it looks <laughs> like you figured that out because he was waiting and waiting and waiting. And then smoke the ball at the right field. So, but if, if, if Aaron Judge, if Aaron Judge can learn how to hit the ball in the air to right field consistently, I mean, a thousand home runs is, is his limit because he just has to pop the ball up and it goes out in right field. Yeah, and I, but he's been doing that. I mean, he really does. I mean, his his power seems like it's going to center field and right center. I saw a stat today uh, that twelve of his, I believe it's now what sixteen home runs yeah. have been at home. What do you think about that? I think that's awesome. I think that's why we have Yankee Stadium uh, play the way it does. And the fact that he's taking advantage of right field as a right-handed batter is even more impressive. So, I mean, I'm not saying like he's incapable of hitting home runs on the road because I don't think there's any park in the league that can contain his power. But for whatever the reason is, a large majority of his homers have been at home this season. And, and I think, I don't know the exact numbers, but I feel like the Yankees have played more games at home than they have on the road this season well yeah and they've also been they've been very good at home one uh, he obviously has a very a very high comfort level at home which is really good news it's it, this is it's really good to see a guy that's not really getting affected by any kind of pressure i mean they put a structure in right field with his name on it and it's not affecting him on the field at all it's it's like nothing nothing is affecting him so this guy's got ice vein ice water running through his veins uh, the fact that he likes Yankee Stadium, he likes hitting here, is an extremely good thing. I think, you know, as he goes on with his career and as he sees more ballparks, you know, we'll, we'll start seeing more of those home runs fly out of the uh, the opposing ballparks too. So it's it's zero concern of mine. I'm getting excited that uh, we mentioned now the Yankees have a three-game lead over Boston. Boston's actually been on fire. They won six of their last seven games, and they've got David Price coming back on Monday to pitch. Um I think the season's shaping up for a Yankees-Red Sox run at this division, and nothing makes me more excited than that. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. I, I, I don't think Baltimore's going to be going anywhere either, though. I think that offense is too damn good to, uh, to, to, you know, to stay far behind. And Toronto's been playing a lot better lately. I mean, granted, they have been um, playing without Tulo. They just got Donaldson Tulo. and Tulo yeah. back. And they've been playing without him, without those two guys, for pretty much the entire season. So now that they're getting them back, um, you know, add those those power bats to the lineup. I mean, that's it's a different it's a different team. But I tell you, their their pitching can't stay healthy. Um, so if if that's if that's still an issue, if their pitching is not a is not healthy and they can't get these guys out there every fifth day, the because before the season started, they had probably one of the most you know one of the one of the strongest starting rotations in the American League East, and um, it's just not panning out that way. So. We'll see what happens, but I still don't think they're out of it, and I definitely don't think Baltimore is going to fade away. I think they're going to be in it uh, till the end as well. So I think this is going to be a dogfight all the way to the end. 
Baltimore always seems to find ways to win, but Britain being out for an extended period of time, think about the difference. So the Yankees had Araldis Chapman go on the DL, and they can just plug Dell and Batances into that closer role, and they're not missing a beat. In fact, Batances has been just as nasty, if not nastier, in that closer, closer role this season. But the Orioles lose Britain, and that's an entirely different team. They no longer have that weapon at the end of the game. Look at Think about that game a couple weeks ago, or at this point a month ago. The Yankees come back from like nine runs down, and the reason is because they didn't have Britain to lock it down in the ninth inning. That team without Britain is a totally different ball club. The funny thing is is that uh, Buck Schwalter might not have used him. Even if he was healthy, he just had him throwing bullpen warm up. Yeah, just he might have just kept him there, because, and maybe he would have brought in a ball to Jimenez. Who knows? But uh, uh, the uh, you're right. I think Britain's a huge deal. I mean, obviously he's he's probably the most dominant closer in Major League Baseball. So when you lose that guy and you don't have that at the back of your at the back of your uh, bullpen, then it just it just brings a lot of uncertainty to your entire bullpen. I think at that point. So, but um, again, they're not going anywhere. That offense that offense is is what's going to drive them. They're going to score a lot of runs, and they're going to continue to do that. So, All right, baseball is in full swing. Coaches know that the key to a winning year is to have a strong roster. They need players with the right skills and experience to get them from opening day all the way through the grind and into October. Companies are not any different. Successful businesses need top talent. So where do you go when you need to scout for new employees? You can't find everybody by posting your job just on one site. You need to go to post all the job sites and then you will finally get everybody there. But now you could do a ZipRecruiter. You could do all the, all the job sites. ZipRecruiter handles everything. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get qualified candidates in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes nationwide. And right now, all listeners of the Bronx Pinstripe Show can start forming their own winning team on ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Bronx. ZipRecruiter.com slash Bronx. Try it today for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Bronx. Maybe the Yankees can use ZipRecruiter to find an eighth inning guy until Chapman comes back. It's a good idea. We need one because Clifford has been not, <laughs> not so good lately. Before we get into all the talk about Clifford, let's talk about Tanaka who has been the topic, the, the hate topic of this podcast the last couple weeks. We were loving all those voicemails that were coming in bitching about Tanaka. He showed up again, though. This was the Tanaka of old that we, we recognized. Seven and a third innings pitch. Career high, 13 strikeouts, only one earned run. He took the loss. That was a weird game on Friday night. I, I still don't understand that rule, how he took the loss in that game, even though Clippard basically allowed that base runner and then allowed him to score. I know there's a whole inherited runner situation going on, but that's one of those weird baseball rules that I guess I'll never wrap my head around. But let's talk about Tanaka. What what did you see out of Tanaka on Friday that we weren't seeing the last few times out? The ball was down. The ball was down. The ball was down. The ball was down. Every single time Tanaka goes out there is effective, low in the strike zone, you're going to see success. And that's what happened. Granted, I, I, I was watching with a microscope this uh, this start just to see what I was looking at body language. I was looking at pitch selection. I was looking at how he was, you know, getting through uh, the the certain pitches and then you know when he was making mistakes. The key is he did make some mistakes. He left the ball over the plate a couple times, but yeah, but he got what, lucky actually. But when a few he hanging sliders. But when he is consistently down in the zone, 
The fastball and the splitter are working to, in tandem, and you can get away with some of those mistakes. Every pitcher makes a mistake in in, in the course of nine, of a of a start. Usually that that happens, but when you're consistent, low in the zone, or you're you're doing the things that you do well, and you're doing them well that day, then you can get away with some of those mistakes. And that's when that's when that's what happened on on, uh, on Friday with Tanaka. He was good. He was low in the zone. He had good late movement on the splitter and on the slider. And, uh, and that's the key to his success. That late movement is what makes it look like a fastball and, uh, and that it just drops off the face of the planet. So it was good stuff. It was good. Oakland's also a good team for him to face at this point. They, yeah, they hit a lot of home runs. I think they're second in the league in home runs, but they're first in the league in strikeouts and they're middle of the road and runs scored. So they're just hitting a lot of solo homers. So this was kind of the perfect recipe for him to face the A's at this point, uh, trying to get back on track. Yeah, it's kind of a Chris Carter lineup, if you will. <laughs> it's, yeah, a bunch of Chris Carters. Yeah, <laughs> home run, home runner bust, which which makes sense because he had a the career high in strikeouts. Right. Um, but they do hit the ball out of the ballpark. So you know, I I think it was a good. I, I think it was a good. If you're looking at the team and uh, and and the makeup of the team, this was the perfect the perfect scenario for him to get back on track. So, a couple I'm, of things though from this game. Do you think now we have a personal catcher controversy with Tanaka? Because Romine caught him on Friday night, and he Tanaka looked great for the first time in three weeks. Yeah, and uh, people, you know, uh, Tanaka did have those really good starts uh, against Boston, against Boston, and then he had one other pretty solid start. I think it was against the White Sox uh, with Romine catching. So. Do we have a personal catcher controversy now? Because if so, that's going to piss me the hell off. Yeah, I mean, we were getting into it on Friday on Twitter on uh, on the Bronx Pinstripes account. That one was that was definitely the heavy topic. But um, I, I disagree with with a lot of people saying that. Yeah, okay, this is this is what needs to happen. If it works, if it's working, then why are we changing it? Why are we changing it if Romine and Tanaka have a good rapport? I, look, I understand what you're saying. I do, but at the same time, if you're looking at the numbers, we can go back to last year and see that. Um, Sanchez we gave the numbers last year. Yeah, it was. Uh, we was, gave the numbers last. It was last under episode. a two ERA. It was under a two one point, ERA. 1.94 in seven starts. Okay, so that's that's a nice that's a nice healthy amount of starts to to see what's going on. Look, the bottom line is, in my opinion, with Tanaka this year, I don't give a rat's ass who's catching him. Tanaka is making mistakes. Tanaka is not executing the pitches. I, I think the fact that Romine is back there and it, and was and had received a few good games from him and Sanchez has not gotten those games from him is more honestly a, more of a coincidence. Do I think Romine is a better receiver of the ball than Sanchez at this point in their careers? Yeah, I think he is. But that doesn't mean that why though I, I think he well, just I think he's a better defensive catcher receiving the ball. I don't <laughs> think he has the the arm Sanchez does, but I think he's a better receiving catcher. But that doesn't mean that he should be. A, uh, there should be any kind of a personal catcher. Girardi does not want to set that tone right now. He That's does not a horrible want to set precedent to set. No, I agree. But and especially this early in the season, when you can start working things out, it's not like we're at the end of the season and this is still occurring. No, this is something that's early. It's mostly on Tanaka, if not all on Tanaka. And I guarantee, if you ask Tanaka that right now, he would say the same thing. He's been very upfront saying it's been. He has struggled. He has struggled, and you know, taking it. Uh, on the shoulder, which I appreciate. So I, I'm I'm looking absolutely nothing into this this personal catcher controversy. I think it's not even it's not even a thing. So we we kind of mentioned the whole how personal catchers annoy the shit out of us last episode. But think about the Yankees pitchers who have needed personal catchers in the last uh, decade. Randy Johnson needed a personal catcher, and AJ Burnett needed a personal catcher. Those guys are dickheads. <laughs> so are we really putting Tanaka in that? 
realm? Because if so, that's a bigger issue than just needing a personal catcher. That 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 tells me you're a mentally weak pitcher. Yeah, I, first of all, I don't think Tanaka is the guy that's asking for I don't Roma. Either. And I don't think that's... as much as I hate Tanaka or you hate no, now, now you hate Tanaka. <laughs> as much as I am unwilling to call him an ace, <laughs> uh, a lot of people will say I hate on him. I don't think he's that kind of pitcher. In fact, I've been impressed with Tanaka's willingness to to uh, throw to anybody, to go out there in tough situations. I mean, he doesn't always perform, but I don't think he's uh, any sort of an issue with uh, needing personal catcher or bad in the clubhouse or any, any shit no, like that. No, no, not at all. I, I've never, ever thought that in my, in my time watching him or hearing anything he says. First of all, He's very, he's a quiet guy. He seems to keep to himself. He, he, you know, he jokes around with some of the guys in the dugout you could see occasionally, but there's zero chance that he's a problem in the dugout. And I, to me, there's zero chance he's going in there asking for a personal catcher too. I, I think he understands that this is on him. He knows that. You can tell by the body language. It's the first time, I said this before, it's the first time I've seen him really wear his emotions on his sleeves. He usually doesn't show too much. He's usually pretty straight-faced. But now when he struggles... He wears it. He gets frustrated with himself, and it's visible. And that's that to me is is saying that he's not executing his pitches. He's not doing what he wants. Uh, and you know, everybody talks about him being a perfectionist, and that's what the guy's trying to do. He's trying to perfect his craft, obviously, and uh, and it just hasn't worked out. Last Friday was a great great start in the next in the next phase of Tanaka for the next month. We need to see him getting back to himself, and I, you know, I, I I expect it sooner than later. If I'm Girardi, I'm putting Sanchez out there as next start. Yeah, fine. I don't think Girardi's making a big deal out of it. I, I, I guarantee you're probably right because he doesn't want it to be a thing in the media either. Right. But I think there's some legs to it being a thing. I, I hope not. I don't think so, but I hope not. Because it's too hard. It, this is such a different scenario than I think a lot of other ones. He, he's too, Sanchez is too good offensively to keep him out of the game. He's, you just can't sit him every fifth day. It, it, I'm sorry. You just can't do it. Another thing from this game that we kind of touched on was the fact that Clippard looked shaky. He was the one who came in with that inherited runner for Tanaka and let him score. Uh, Rajai Davis uh, was thrown at home plate, but Tana- uh, but Clippard still couldn't get out of that inning. So uh, Clippard and then had another bad, an- bad outing on Saturday, but Tansis saved his ass. We've kind of talked in the past that Clippard has not looked right. I, I have no confidence in him, in him right now. In fact... I there's a lot of guys in that bullpen I'd rather see come out right now than Clippard. Who do you want coming out? Because everybody has been struggling. <laughs> there there really isn't a guy that you can go and say, oh, I have a lot of confidence in that guy right now because that guy doesn't exist. The fact that I mean Clippard before that, if we're looking at these last two outings who have been not very good, the two outings before that he was good. He he got through both of those outings cleanly. So it seems like Clippard is very streaky, and I don't know if it comes in twos and threes or if it comes in every other. I, I'm not, I haven't really pinned it on him. I think Clippard has the history of being an effective reliever, so you got to roll with him. He's, to me, the one of the better options in the bullpen right now. There, there just aren't very many better options at this point. I mean, I, I think what they need to start doing is using that Scranton shuttle and let's see some new guys. We need to bring somebody up. I think Heller has been pitching a lot better. He's a guy that we thought probably could have made the team out of a, out of spring training. He's got good stuff. I'd like to see him up. There's a um, Frieri is down there. That's an interesting guy. This is a guy that has closing experience. Who was a dominant closer with the Angels, 
and has been reworking himself and getting back into it. He's looking at his numbers in Scranton. Granted, I haven't been watching him. The numbers look good. So I don't know. There, there are some options down in, uh, in AAA, and uh, you know, I'm sure they're going to start exhausting those options at some point in the near future. Yeah, I'm done with the Tommy Lane experiments. I'm done with the Chase and Shreve experiments. Brian Mitchell has been shaky. Chad Green had a terrible outing on Sunday. He had looked good, though, his last few times out. In fact, I was kind of thinking they should have used him on Saturday instead of going to Clippard in the situation uh, that they did. So uh, until Chapman comes back, we're going to have to live with heart attack appearances from all these guys other than Batances. And that's fine because, look, they're working it out. They're working through it at this point. It seems like the beautiful thing about this Yankee team, and some may not agree with me that it's a beautiful thing, but I think it is. When when there's one area of the team that is struggling, it seems like there are at least one or two other areas that are picking them up, and it really doesn't make the team suffer very often. There's not a lot of long losing streaks. The, the fact is that this team has picked itself up in the different categories, whether it's offense, defense, pitching, you know, the, the bullpen or the rotation, because the rotation has been good lately. The bullpen has been terrible. When the, when the rotation was terrible, the bullpen was phenomenal. So this team has been picking itself up, and uh, that, that's why it's not a huge concern at this point. You just kind of have to let the season unfold and see who, who's standing you know, after the All-Star break and who's, who's, uh, who's healthy and who's there and who's pitching well and who's not. So the good news is the team is still winning, and, and that's the most important thing. How long though do you think they 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 run it with with Warren and and um, and Clippard struggling like this? Well, I think they're going to go for as long as they can. I mean, with with Aroldis Chapman down, obviously the the options are a lot more limited. So, I mean, if you're telling me that you're going to go to AAA and find a better guy than Tyler Clippard or, or Adam Warren, I got a hard time believing that. And no, I, I don't I, think they can find someone better. But at, at a certain point, you have to mix things up because. It's it's not working at the major league level. I mean, but at some point have, you don't have other you don't have other options. That's the thing. There are no other options. It's not like they've been abysmal, like horrible. These guys have struggled a little bit. They'll get through it. I have confidence. They're both veteran guys. I think it would look a little it. bit different. I think it would look a little bit different if Batances didn't come in and save their asses on five five outs on Saturday. Well, that's fine. But the problem is, there again, there's nobody else to pick them up. He's Girardi doesn't have many options with that. He's got to go to these guys. So he's got he's got to stay with them so that they can work through it and, you know, get that confidence back. And that's that's what Girardi does usually. He, he kind of, he, you know, you, we all know that he rolls a guy, he rolls with a guy usually too long. So, I mean, if you're thinking that he's going to change that now, uh, ain't going to happen. Tiger doesn't change his stripes. No, he doesn't, especially not this we, uh We haven't seen Chase Headley uh, for a couple games this weekend, and I think he needed a much-needed rest. He got pinch hit for in the ninth inning on Friday night, uh, didn't work out for the Yankees. Um, who was it? Sanchez that, that popped out. He popped out. Yeah. But Chase Headley is back to being full on last year's April and May version of Chase Headley that we all hated. Yeah. You say we all, but mostly you, the, (laughs) the, the, um, I hope he's getting his makeover. You know, I hope he's taking these two days, get a tan. Like I was talking about, get a facial, get the hair done again. Get some, you know, get his hair did up. Get my hair did. Yeah, make sure he's all good. You know, come back confident, come back clean. Make sure you have a good, nice fresh tee on, and and just be all good. Be the um, Chase Headley of of April that we all fell in love with. This the, like the, such a nice guy. What a, you think what he's a great feeling, guy. You think he's feeling heat from the Gliber mania? You're damn right, he's feeling heat. He has to. <laughs> I mean, Ronald Torres is putting on heat right now. 
you know, Glaber, Glaber Torres is one step away from taking over third base. And that if, if the writing's done on the wall uh, and that's where he's going, then you, everybody needs to kind of look at what's going on here because he's playing third base. Yes, I know he's playing other positions, but third base is the spot. Third base is the spot he's going to be playing in. So um, if he lights it up in AAA and he, he, stay, he, he goes out in Scranton and starts dominating AAA, it's not going to be too long. My dad asked me this weekend, how long are they going to stick with Headley before they call up uh, Gliber Torres? And I was thinking about it logically. Okay, so so Torres just got to AAA. He spent just under two months in AA. I'm assuming they're going to With an injury him. stint. Right. So it was about, it was what, 32 games? So if he plays another 32 games in AAA, which is what I think they'll do, I don't think they'll call him up before he at least gets that time under his belt. We're looking at around the All-Star break. Yeah. And that sounds so, about right. To me, that sounds right. about right. Like, if Chase Headley is still not hitting by the All-Star break, the Yankees come out of there after four or five days off, however long it is at the All-Star break, Gliber Torres is your starting third baseman on that first Friday night game after, after the All-Star game. Yeah, I could absolutely see that happening. I mean, it's not, if, it's not, if it's not at that point, it's going to be pretty damn close after that. Uh, because, like you said, that's a, that's, a good enough, that's a good enough amount of games for him to get his, um, his legs under him in AAA. And again, it all boils down to if he succeeds in AAA. If he is lighting it up in AAA, this is going back to what Cashman said in the offseason. And I, I, I kind of like how the, uh, the entire plan is coming into fruition. And it's everything Cashman is saying really is coming true. If Glaber Torres hits the ball and starts you know, ripping through these leagues, he's going to be in the Bronx. But he's going to dictate when he gets called up. And that's still true. If you had to guess, who gets time in the major leagues first? Glyber Torres or Clint Frazier? Torres. <laughs> it's pretty crazy, isn't it? Yeah, because I think the outfield right now is stacked. I don't think there's a spot in the outfield. Um, that's that's a problem. I think Clint Frazier is kind of blocked at this point. If you had asked us that back in uh, February or, or March, there oh. was no chance we would have said Oh, zero Glyber chance because, yeah. because Brett Gardner and Aaron Hicks weren't really a thing. <laughs> We but actually yet, do have a mailbag question coming up about the outfield situation, so we'll get into that in a second. But um, let's talk about Sunday's game. Pineda looked a little bit uncharacteristic. He walked three guys, which is definitely unusual for him. But uh, you actually mentioned this to me that you heard his slider wasn't really working, so they kind of abandoned it, and they were going more to his fastball changeup combo. Yeah, that he was mentioning that, or I guess I was listening to John and Susan today, and they were talking. To, I had the pleasure of listening to them two days in a row. The, yeah, uh, so did I. <laughs> So apparently what they were saying is that the Oakland A's were looking for the slider. This was kind of the scouting reporter. They had picked up on it during the game, and it just wasn't very effective. So Girardi and they, they all made the decision that he's going to go with this changeup more. So I, mean, I don't know. That could be why the, uh, why the three walks were, were up there. Maybe the changeup was, uh, was being used you know, even more than we thought, and he wasn't locating it as well. So I, I don't know. The, it is uncharacteristic. He usually has pinpoint accuracy with his with his stuff but you know it was working I mean this is I think it's like six or seven starts in a row where he hasn't let up more than three or four runs it's it's I heard that the stat today he's been good the bottom line is they've all been quality starts he's definitely been the most dependable starting pitcher in this rotation yeah most consistent and dependable I mean dude he's been phenomenal I I don't know how he made the switch this contract year he playing for money uh, yeah it's 100% contract but is that is he is he 
does he have that ability to, to flip the switch that easily to, to say mm-hmm. this is a contract year and I can just do this now? I don't know. I, I don't. We've always we've always kind of taken his mental money, toughness. Money talks, dude. I guess. I mean, how many times we've seen this time and time again with with professional athletes when a contract comes up, they put their money where their mouth is. The bottom line is you're not thinking about that money in the middle of a start, though. That's not happening. There's no way that's happening. And Maybe Pineda he did melts some more down work in the in the middle. or something. I don't know. There's a lot of th- a lot of factors that go into it. He's he's clearly focusing more. He's definitely focusing more. There's no doubt about old it. Old Pineda, old Pineda. If he didn't, if he could not use his slider in a game. He would have gotten shelled and been out by the fourth inning. You're right, because he would have kept using the slider, and he would have tried and tried and tried. But I, I'll tell you one thing we're evolution. seeing. We're seeing an evolution. Which is good. That's a great thing. He's going to put us in a bind, and we're going to have to sign him again. Is what's going to happen. And then he's going to drive us insane. But the uh, the what I'm noticing also is that there's a lot more triggers. You're seeing Sanchez go out there and talk to him more often. You're seeing Rothschild come out and talk to him at, at opportunities where they realize this is an oppor- this is one of those moments where Michael Pineda is about to melt down. So we need to nip it in the ass. It feels like they've been doing that more often. They they've understood. They've addressed. They know. They have identified those moments, and they're going out and trying to uh, smooth them out before the meltdowns happen. So I give credit to the staff. I give credit to the, the catcher. And I give credit to Michael Pineda for trying to, you know, for figuring this stuff out, being more mentally tough and, and getting through it. But yeah, he's been the most dependable, most consistent, whatever you want to say. He's been the guy. What is it about Yankees pitchers that they cannot field their position? Because Pineda had that play where he looked to third base, the play wasn't there, and then he had to rush a throw to first base and he, and he threw it wild. CC Sabathia cannot field his position. He can physically not run over to first base. What is it about these pitchers that cannot field their position? They probably don't work on it very often. And they don't, yeah, they skip fielding practice in, in spring training. It's just not something that's that important. You were mocking fielding practice in spring training. So maybe they also had the same sentiment. They were like, what? Was I? I don't remember that. Yeah, because you're like, they look like a bunch of little leaguers out there. The well, fact- yeah, when, whenever you see somebody uh, fake throwing a ball, that is that is pointless. What is the point of going through a half-assed motion of throwing it to this bag and throwing it to home plate and running over to first plate? What does that accomplish other than actually fielding a ground ball and actually throwing it to a base? Because it gets your mechanics down before you that, actually they, do But it. they're not working on their mechanics. Yes, they're, they are. That's exactly what they're working on. That, that's, see, that's where you're wrong. That's exactly what they're working on. They're working on their mechanics, their muscle memory, making sure that they, they go through the, the motions in their mind. At least they, it doesn't look like they take it seriously. They're doing all those things at that point. Well, that, well, it doesn't matter. During the season, they're still doing it on occasion, but their focus is on other things. He obviously looked over at third to see if there's a play. I don't know why he looked at third in the first place. Get the out. Pointless. You're up 6-2, yeah. I think, at that point. Yeah, it was. Get the out. So, whatever. It was a mental fart on his brain, on, on his part. He shouldn't have done it, and he and he threw the ball into uh, uh, threw the ball away. So it was a it was a bad play. But yeah, there, CC does the same thing. I'm not too concerned about it, honestly. If he keeps pitching the way he does, I could give a rat's ass again about how he's fielding that position um, when it's that big, uh, small until, of a detail. Until, until it bites it happens, in the ass, I get Yeah, it. until it happens and they lose a game because of it. Yeah. Well, you know what? How many more how many more games would we have lost if he uh, kept throwing that slider? So take the good for the bad. All right, let's get into some mailbag questions. The first one is from Brett Y. He says, as great as the season has been so far, the one constant I've noticed is that has uh, been an issue for the Yankees has been their starting pitching in the first two innings. Statistically, they are ranked in the bottom third of the league for ERA in the first and second inning. Aside from Tanaka being nothing short of horrendous these past two starts, guys like Montgomery and CeCe have also had their issues in the first two innings. And as good as the offense has been, it's always tough starting a game when you have to come from behind to win. 
Do you think there is an issue in the way they are warming up? Or maybe it's a lack of mental focus when first coming onto the mound. Is there anything you think Larry Rothschild could do or should or should do to address that issue? I'm, I'm sure as a pitching coach for a major league team, is it's definitely something he is aware of. Yes, I guarantee you he is aware of it. Just for uh, actual stats here, first inning Yankees ERA 5.67, second inning ERA 4.89, both horrendous. Yeah, it's one of those things where you know it's happening, you look to see why it's happening, and then you make certain adjustments, whatever those adjustments are. Maybe maybe there is something that they're doing in the warm-up. Maybe they are... Uh, you know, not throwing enough pitches. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I'm not in the, I'm, unfortunately, I, I wish I was. I wish I was in the dugout so I could find out. I wish I was in the pen so I could find out what's going on. But I don't know. The, what I can guarantee is that uh, Larry Rothschild does understand that it's an issue. The guys understand it's an issue. And they're trying to fix it. And if you're looking at the last week of baseball, they've done a pretty damn good job on, on you know, at least at this point, kind of nip it in the ass. CeCe has his last two starts. He's been very good. He has uh, the, the starts before that is when he really struggled in the beginning of games. Um, you're looking at Tanaka. Obviously, we know what Tanaka did before his last start. He was, a, he was abysmal, and, and it came early, very early. So the fact that he got through uh, the beginning of the games was a, a very good start, a, a very good sign. Montgomery also went deep into the game. So look, the adjustments are being made, obviously, whether it's an adjustment or it's just a, really a non-issue and it was just a coincidence. I don't know. But I guarantee they, they know what's happening and they're trying to identify what it is. The, the problem, and I don't want to call it a problem, the, the weird thing is I feel like the, the issues these pitchers are facing are constantly changing. It's either first inning and second inning struggles or then they're throwing too many pitchers and falling up behind pitchers or they can't get deep into ballgames. I feel like there's not one you can't really pinpoint one specific issue with these starting pitchers because it's constantly adapting. Yeah, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, though, because that means they're fixing the things that are going bad previously, too. So, I and don't know. something else is going wrong. I mean, what was our one complaint with Severino, right? It was that he was throwing too many pitches and going into too many deep counts. Yeah. Our one complaint with Sabathia was that he couldn't get through the first couple innings without giving up a ton of runs. Our complaint with Tanaka was obviously the home runs the last couple outings. Montgomery was that he was giving up big home runs because he was putting guys on base with walks and stuff like that, and he would lose the strike zone at weird times. So each pitcher has his own sort of unique little issue. Well, and that's, I mean, of course. That's obvious. Yeah, that's of course going to happen. happen every with every rotation ever for and every team ever. Everybody's going to have their own thing. So, look, the, the fact is, I think everybody needs to, to realize the scope of this stuff. Like, this is not the bad news bears. This is not a horrible team we're looking at. We're looking at a team who, while they have their struggles, because every baseball team in, in Major League Baseball has their struggles, they have their thing, the Yankees have their thing, but they're winning. They're winning. They're winning right now. So these are a, a, you know an evolving matter. They will fix them as they come up. And then when new concerns come up, because they will, they'll address them at that point. So I'm not concerned about this stuff. I'm really not. It's just kind I'm of the, a, it's the evolution of the season. I mean, I'm, I'm concerned with the pitching. I'm concerned with the starting rotation. I still think that's their biggest Achilles heel. My point, I'm not concerned about there being different issues and things like that. Oh, I think well, that, that's going to happen. Yeah, of course. All right. Next one is from Brian. I think you guys left out two things when discussing Tanaka's problems in your last podcast. The first thing is the first thing is that you didn't mention Tanaka's pre-existing micro tear in his elbow. 
This must be considered when discussing problems relating to Tanaka. An MRI would be a good idea if only to rule out the problem has not gotten worse. Second, fatigue could be playing a role. In Japan, he pitched every sixth day as opposed to every fifth day. The result, And results show that he does better when pitching with extra rest. Maybe Girardi needs to use the off days, give him the extra rest, or use a six-man rotation for certain times to get through the rotation. It might give guys like Green or Mitchell a chance to show what they can do at the same time. All right. I, I got to react to this immediately. No. No, 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 no. 100% no. First of to all. The six, to the six-man rotation To idea. all of it. There is no tear. <laughs> there, there's no injury. There's no injury. They, they, you don't think the New York Yankees have an, a, a complete understanding of where he is physically. I, they do. We, we have know a pretty good do. quote from Cashman, actually, that Brian Hoke, uh, Brian Hoke tweeted. We've done, Cashman said, we've done, quote, CSI the Bronx on him a number of times, and we're convinced that he is not injured. So they're always doing this. They're always making sure that Tanaka is fine. They're not going to let him go out there if there's any kind of discomfort at all in the arm. The fact that it happened before was a thing at that point. But what they did is they opted to not have surgery and they went on and he's at full strength right now. So until it's actually a concern, until you see discomfort, until he tells you there's discomfort, until they find something, it is a non-issue. It's not worth my talking about because it's not a thing. I, I, I think that's disingenuous. No, to, it's not. To ignore it completely. Yes, I'm going it to. It is part of his history. It doesn't when matter. His contract, when, when he opts out of his contract at the end of this year, the, the injury history for Tanaka will 100% be factored into who signs him and how long they sign that him. That has nothing to do with when we're, how we're handling him on every start. They already, I'm not, even, I'm not saying that they don't look at the medicals. They know what the medicals are. It's not further torn. There is no discomfort. It's a non-issue right now. So, no, I'm not going to play into the fact that Tanaka is struggling because of an injury history. It's, it's, it's short-sighted. It's ridiculous. But I understand Brian and a lot of other people's bringing it up. When Tanaka's been this bad, we've never seen him be this bad. We had never seen him be that bad where he gave up seven home runs in four innings pitch that was unprecedented for Tanaka in his career. I don't think it's unfair to bring up his injury history. I think that's completely justified. No, it, what it's doing by by bringing that up, you're saying that the Yankees have no idea what the hell's wrong with him and they think he... You, no, you it think, could be it could You think be that he's going out... That, what? The, the fact that they missed it on the MRI? The fact that, not the, that he's it. not talking about the discomfort? Like, that's, sure. that's I think guys hide that injuries be the all issue. the time. That would be guys the issue. Guys hide injuries all the time. If, if we're talking about that, then we're talking about Tanaka uh, not reporting an injury and the Yankees not looking closely enough at an elbow, which they have been doing, which we know that they have been doing. Yes, Brian, I, he well, came out and said an it. Cashman even was quoted that said they, they gave him an MRI. Numerous times. This Numerous is, times. This so has been a constant. It's on the Yankees' mind. Right. I'm, my point, I understand that it's, it can be on people's mind. But it cannot be part of the issue when this is when they're going through the full medicals. And it's a Anytime, non-issue. We're in a situation now with if Tanaka struggles, it's gonna be brought up. Is that all that's right. the reality of someone people who can bring it up all the time. Not to go under the knife when doctors recommend to go under the knife. That's well, just see, the that's, reality that, of the situation. That's not a hundred percent accurate because obviously he had doctors say you, you don't have to go under the knife. So that's but, not even well, accurate. He had doctors who said you you could have surgery sure. or you could not have surgery. Sure. It's up to you, just like it's up to anybody. Did I tell you about the time when I was in seventh grade? And God. I was trying to avoid a test. Scott, Scott from Long Island calling up Francesca. I was trying to avoid a test. 
and I was in seventh grade and I, cause I had not studied for this test. I knew I was going to bomb it. And I was scared out of my mind to take this test of the repercussions. So I went down to the nurse in between classes and I said, I was running the hallway and I fell and I hurt my foot or, uh, I hurt my foot and I, um, and I landed on my wrist. They sent me to a doctor to get x-rays on my wrist. <laughs> I went to the doctor to get x-rays on my wrist. I got those x-rays on my wrist. The x-rays came back. The doctor had me in a room with my mother pointed at the x-ray and said, this is where your fracture is. Your fracture is right here and showed me something in there that was not a fracture because my wrist was completely fine. I look, every doctor is going to give you a (laughs) different thing. Dude, that's a Seinfeld episode when George was faking that he had an elbow tick to get out of like a job interview or something. This was well before that Seinfeld episode. I was not inspired (laughs) by that. This was completely out of my own concoction. My point is, you go to five different doctors, you could get five different answers. The, f- the fact of the matter is, is there's not an issue. I, I don't even want to talk about this anymore. The next right, thing about the sixth day. The sixth yeah, okay, hold on. Before you answer, I want to ask you a question. What do you consider five days rest when you pitch on the fifth day or on the sixth day? I, I don't even know. <laughs> uh, you pitch well, on because the, do you want, I, do you I want believe you pitch on the sixth day. It's five days off, is it not? Correct. It's five days, full five days off. Yes. I was always under the impression that five days rest meant you pitched on the fifth day. Yeah, no. Because a, a normal five-man rotation is you pitch, and then you have four pitchers that pitch, and then you pitch again. I understand there's off days and all that kind of shit, but if there's no off days, you're going to pitch on that that technically four days rest. Yeah, I mean, the it's it's I all I know is that I've always it's it's you pitch on the you so five days rest. It's interesting. We had different understandings of the situation. Yeah, but I think I'm right. No, <laughs> I think you, you are just mistaken. No, no. You are right. I'm. I'm saying I. I always misunderstood the uh, misunderstood the whole days off yeah. thing. All You're 100 percent right. right. So the other thing about this is like the fatigue thing with the Japan thing. I'm not even looking at what he was doing in Japan anymore. I mean, that's to me a non-issue as well because he's been in the major leagues since um, 2014. Since 2014. I mean, so I'm not comparing anything to Japan anymore. That's not even in my in my brain. Okay, we. It's been very well documented though. The fact that he does do better on extra rest. There's, there's no doubt about it. He even said he does better with extra rest. So if you can get him that extra rest, which Girardi tries to if he can, he will. And I have no problem with that. Yeah, he got the extra day off with that rain out uh, on Thursday. Yeah. So And he performed. So it, it, it's, it's, I'm, I can't talk about the whole he needs an extra day off situation. We burnt that down to the ground. Yeah, and they're not going to go with a six-man rotation because you're just then you'd be no, you rolling out that. another guy who's not very good. Yeah. So, so not only do we need a, a six-man rotation for our number one pitcher, we also need a personal catcher. Yeah, no, we don't need a six-man rotation. That's the thing. <laughs> That's the key. All right. Final question from Brandon. Watch out. Put your sunglasses on. Hot take here. Even when Jacoby comes back, I think Hicks has earned the starting job in center. What are your thoughts on how the outfield should be, go- should be going forward? Yeah, I think they should uh, do what he's been doing. I think it's been working. So, um I don't think Girardi's going to give him the, the starting job. It's not like there's going to be some big demotion. Ellsbury's going to be the center fielder. When there's a, when there's a lefty on the mound, then Ellsbury or Gardner is going to get the day off and Hicks is going to play. Hicks is going to play you know, on, a, on another day where he gives another guy off. They're all going to play. That's the bottom line. It seems like he's got a good rotation when they had the four of them healthy, and you know, Girardi's going to handle it. Judge is going to play right field practically every night. Yeah, and Judge, then the other guys are going to go. If you haven't noticed, Judge doesn't get days off. Yeah, nor, he, nor should he. Nor That's, should he. Nor should he. I mean, he he got he go he'll get the occasional um, DH day. Yeah, but you know when you're looking at Gardner, who's a, a crafty vet who 
who does get beat up towards the end of the season. Ellsbury, we know, is made of glass. You're gonna get. You're gonna find days where where Hicks is playing. You know, four four to five days a week. I mean, he's got, he's played a lot, and we, it's been uh, good for him. So I don't really think much has to change. We touched on this a couple episodes ago, and you actually mentioned that right now Clint Frazier is blocked. Yeah. Do the Yankees look at trading Brett Gardner? He's the most tradable outfielder, other than obviously Judge and Hicks, who are they're not trading. But Brett Gardner is the most tradable outfielder who they're willing to trade if they want to clear some room for a guy like Frazier. Yeah, no, we talked about that on the last episode or the last Monday or whatever it was. Um, and I don't, I don't think they're going to trade him at all. I think that he is uh, at this point, he's he's a he's a he's a Yankee and he is an important part of that clubhouse, and they're not getting rid of him. So I tweeted um, the question: Do the Yankees look at trading Brett Gardner? And people came to his defense saying, "You can't trade Brett Gardner." He's one person said he's the soul of the clubhouse. Yeah, I was shocked. Well, I think he does have a, a big role on the clubhouse. I think he keeps it loose. I think he is kind of you see what what's his uh, emoji for from Didi? It's the, the clown, 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 right? clown emoji, right? Yeah. So that's so, that, look at that. That's important to me. That's important. That's a telling sign. He's the clown of the. He's the guy who keeps them loose. He's and the bald guy. If he, he's the bald guy? Yeah, the clown's bald, so is Brett Gardner. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, never, I never put that together, the fact that the clown's bald. He's got hair on the back. It's green hair, but the, <laughs> the, the fact that, that Gardner is a guy who's been around, he's been around for a long time, he's the most tenured uh, Yankee, on the longest tenured Yankee on the team, and he keeps the clubhouse loose. They're not getting rid of him. They're not going to screw up this chemistry. The Yankees are rolling. The chemistry is phenomenal right now. They're not screwing it up. We, everyone has such a short memory that we are seeing the good Brett Gardner right now. Do people already forget the Brett Gardner that looks at strike three time and time again and goes into 10 for 90 slumps? But that's the thing. The thing is, the, the problem is what you're saying, even if he does go into a slump, Aaron Hicks has been playing phenomenal. He's going to play. There's still no spot for Clint Frazier because Gardner is not going to be anything less than a fourth outfielder. There's still no spot for him to start. And he's not coming up to sit the bench. He's not coming up to be his fourth outfielder. He'd be coming up to start. Yeah, once Clint Frazier gets called up, I, I think they hope he's going to be a situation like Aaron Judge last year. They can call him up and they can plug him in every day. And he's not on the 40 if I'm... No, he's not on so the 40. So he's not they a guy that they can him. just do it easily. They, they'd have to make you know a significant move to the roster in order for that to happen. So it's yep. not... Honestly, at this point, unless something changes and these guys tail off the face of the planet, we're looking at a, a, a late-season call-up. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, unlike, like we said, the situation with Torres where he could actually re- replace a guy in the lineup. Right exactly. Now. All right, guys. Uh, thank you for the mailbag questions. If you want to submit mailbag questions, do so at bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast. Reach us on Twitter at Yankees Podcast. My Twitter handle is at Andrew underscore Rotondi. And Scott's is at Scott Reinen. And guys, call the voicemail line. 646 480 We've been loving these voicemails. We've done it a couple weeks in a row now. Every Monday, we want to play your guys' voicemails to take us out on the episode. We got a couple this week, but we need to do better. More people need to call. Is that right? More people need to call. The funny thing is, is that people call when, when they're when shit angry. Hits the fan. When they're angry. Yeah. We need some we need some like pump up. As soon as you get excited about a play, get on speed dial, call the that. The Judge damn Grand thing. Slam was the yeah. perfect perfect time to call up the voicemail line yeah let's do it on these uh, on these big moments too let's get some uh, let's get some positivity in those voicemails i thought the last ones were hilarious but let's <laughs> let's see the other side a lot of f-bombs in the last one yeah kind of kept those in there it was a lot of editing to do <laughs> <laughs> all right guys again that's 646-480-0342 enjoy these voicemails and we'll talk to you guys in a few days 
Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. I must be out before I pick up the phone. Where could I be? <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm not home. Wanted to get your thoughts on what's going on here with our man Aaron Judge, the second coming of the Messiah, the new Derek Jeter. I don't like Judge's chambers, the new seating section in Yankee Stadium. It's too much, too soon. He's a 25-year-old kid. He's on a roll. You don't want to get into his head with this type of stuff, all right? Why are you messing with his rookie season? Let him be. Let him be an exceptional player. You can't put this kind of pressure on the man. He's too young. We don't want to get inside of his head. We just want him to keep doing what he's doing. We love him. We need the second coming of the Messiah that could possibly be him. I want to get your thoughts on the judges' chamber seating section in Yankee Stadium. Too much too soon. Thanks for taking the call. Keep up all the great work. I don't want to give up on Tanaka just yet, just because of what we've seen from him in the last couple of years. He's not a bad pitcher. I mean, the guy was 12-7 and seven a couple of years ago. Had a pretty decent year last year. Is he an ace? Probably not. I mean, he's just in a situation where he's the number one on a team that is not as loaded as it used to be, and that's okay. But when you look at him, he's essentially trying to get by throwing the type of fastballs that Rod Beck used to throw. Rod Beck, rest in peace, by the way. Um, he's essentially trying to get by on that stuff. In, in a division that features Jose Bautista, for as much as we may hate him, he's a great hitter, a Josh Donaldson, an Evan Longoria, a Manny Machado, and you know all the hitters on Boston, you can't survive with that. So, I mean, as far as him picking it up, it's early still for me. If he's still doing this in July, then I'm concerned. Then I'm a bit more pissed off. Uh, here's to Tanaka and the Yankees and, and, uh, and Channel 11, WPIX. We love you, and we love the Yankees. Love Bronx Page Stripes. Uhuru. Kidding me, Gerard. You got a 23-year-old kid pitching a shutout, throwing 99 late in the game, no off days until June 5th. And you freaking go to Batanzas, the same guy who wore down late in the season. I am sick of this binder managing. Don't get me wrong. He's better than a lot of guys, but this binder management is really annoying me right now. And what's with these strict pitch count limits? It's not like these guys are pussies. These are like 23-year-old kids. Who can do this? You know, one shutout where you push him a little bit is not going to kill him. Jesus Christ. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.